Welcome to Brand Story Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story Inc., we kick off our Future of Sports series with the topic, the future of college sports. This one's special to me as our guest, Tom Ojakjian, is someone I talk about in my day job quite a bit. OJ, as he's known by to everyone in the college sports space, is the Senior Associate Commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, which has been at the epicenter of college athletics realignment, recently adding six new colleges, the likes of like Rice, UAB, Charlotte, among others, while having three members depart. OJ has been with the AAC since 2013, and prior to that, he was in a similar position for the Big East Conference from 1995 to 2013. Perhaps most historically relevant to the evolution of collegiate sports content was his stint at ESPN, where Tom was the director of college sports from 1981 to 1994. Quick side note about the Lafayette baseball grad. <laughs> Back in the stone age of letter writing as a senior at Northwestern, I wrote to him since I was a Rhode Islander and he's working at the Big East. I discovered him at the library using this thing called LexisNexis. I think I paid like a buck to use this thing. And it listed OJ as one of the top 10 most powerful people in sports for his ESPN impact on college sports. He invited me to lunch in Providence. We talked about my career. And I'll never forget, we went back to his office and he gave me his black book and said, there's the copier, copy whatever you want, call anyone in there and tell them I told you to call. And I've never forgotten that. And to this date, I've never turned down a request from a college kid seeking advice. OJ is the kind of person who, when you mention his name to anyone in sports media or collegiate athletics, it evokes a very similar physical reaction, a smile and what a great guy response. And with that, OJ, welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, Jay! I don't. Know. <laughs> I'm blushing here over the over the <laughs> podcast. You want to thank you so much for that very very uh, kind introduction. I'm, I'm honored to be on your your terrific show. Well, thanks, man. I I, um, I I meant every word that I said, and and it's true. Uh, you are one of the great guys, and so I couldn't think of a better person who's kind of been at the throes at both the ESPN media side and the Big East, and now you know, the rapidly evolving um, American Athletic Conference. And, you know, we shared your headlines. Um, well, I'm so excited <laughs> to have you, but I would love for you to explain, folks, kind of your day job as what the American Senior Associate Athletic Director does. Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, my, my day job is managing all our broadcasting um, rights as well as game operations and, and scheduling and you know anything else from it that you know as a as a senior associate commissioner that that comes up at the conference level and it's it's a lot of layers it's very complex um, you know each conference has somebody that you know has a role like mine sometimes they're divided differently um, so you know it begins with um all your policies or your guidelines or your contractual you know you you talk to espn every single day about mm -hmm. something uh whether it be a schedule whether it be uh, production issues whether it be espn plus whether it be mm -hmm. promotion whether it be marketing advertising uh today uh we were talking about um the terms of air force reserves uh, title sponsorship for our men's and women's basketball championship. Mm -hmm. We're talking about how many cameras should be at games, where they should be. Is it a remote broadcast? So there's a lot of operational things that dealt with today. We've talked to Westwood one about broadcasting on radio. Mm -hmm. um, you know, our, our basketball championship, we're talking about the format for 
women's lacrosse, how many breaks we're going to have. We're talking about minimum number of cameras for replay for baseball. We're talking about um, safety and COVID issues. We're talking about the weather. Game got canceled tonight. Mm. When are we going to reschedule it? Um, obviously, dealing with realignment. Um, you know, doing plans for our, our tournament realignment. Still, you know, we don't know when UCF, Houston, and and um, Mm-hmm. and uh, um, Cincinnati are going to leave or what their exit fee is going to be. Um, so we're, we're going from an 11-team conference to a 14-team conference, and that changes everything in terms of how you operate, your expenses, your revenues, your scheduling format, um, your TV deal. And so it, it's just there's always so much going on um, and uh, just never, never, never – a dull moment every day is different and and there's always just new challenges because there's also as the nca rules change Mm -hmm. we have to see how does that affect us whether it be the transfer rules whether it be the nil whether it be the college football playoff whether it be Mm -hmm. uh change of the networks um you know when espn acquires the nhl okay that changes maybe where they air some football Mm -hmm. or basketball games okay something else that happens you're, you're dealing with forces outside your control you're, you're trying to uh, be prepared for those type of things you, you know whether it be flex uh, flexing schedules and things like that too it's um, every day is different um, and, 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 and a lot of times you just you know you, you just have to drop everything that you had planned to do that day to deal with you know that day's issues but it's a it's it's invigorating. It's exciting you, know, you work with a lot of wonderful people and, and very complicated, complicated yes I mean, I and, and just... of course you just so much is by Zoom these days too, right? I mean, what 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 you do miss is is seeing people in person more mm-hmm. because whether it be you know still being careful with the pandemic. I mean, the people I deal with at CBS and ESPN are still not in the office mm-hmm. um, because you know that's their protocols. Yeah. Or you know, like for example, our basketball tournament, the producer who I know well and, and I like to be in the TV truck with him, he's probably not going to be there. He's mm-hmm. going to be in Bristol. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, everything's different that way. And then every time there's new technologies, uh, they create, you know, good and bad new issues, mm-hmm. whether it be with sponsorship, which you're very familiar with. I mean, let's take virtual signage. Okay. When is it allowed? When is it not allowed? And exclusivity. So, yeah, I, I know I'm rambling here, but, uh, you know, anytime rules change or technology changes, uh, there's an, a, an adaption period to where you then have to create structure rules, policies. I always say that when the technology changes and the policies have to change and, and the, by the time the lawyers catch up to it, you know, people have already found loopholes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so, OJ, I want to jump in there because I think you just articulated just the quagmire that is, right? Just a complicated mm-hmm. ball of yarn of collegiate athletics in the year 2022. It's never been more complicated. So we could probably do, I know we could, an hour on each one of these topics on a podcast. Absolutely, but sure. <laughs> I want to pick just three to kind of dive okay. in because as we look at the prism that I'm really looking for here is kind of the future casting of collegiate athletics and i'll start with one of the hottest and i i guess more controversial ones which is name image and likeness right and for for those that Mm -hmm. aren't aware college athletes now able to accept money for sponsorships directly from brands it's been a little bit of the wild west and so i would a little bit of a wild west (laughs) how about a big wild west talk (laughs) about um the impact that this has had on the business of college sports through your lens oh well I was concerned about this even before mm-hmm. um, because 
all our TV contracts have all kinds of um, rules about how you can distribute video mm-hmm. in game, post game, what platforms. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's impossible to police because you've got fans in the stands with cell phones mm-hmm. who are capturing the video. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and with, with social media and YouTube and things like that. Um, so it's very difficult to police, but there are rules that we have to try to adhere to, but mm-hmm. you know, it's impossible for the networks to police it. And yet, yet we still have to try and police it as best as we can. So, you know, you've got players who were putting out on social media highlights of games that they didn't have the rights to do mm. before. Mm. But, you know, as long as they weren't sponsored, mm-hmm. you know, and necessarily making money from it um, because of what the NCAA rules mm-hmm. were at the time, you know, the networks tended to look the other way. Um, now that you know, those could be sponsorship opportunities, um, there's hmm. a much greater concern there. So then the question is, okay, if an athlete uh, wants to, by social media, endorse um, a product, you know, do they want to have a clip of them in uniform or in action? And then, you know, there's a process to then acquire those rights. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you've got all these third parties that are involved. You, you've got, you know, the, the athletes themselves, you know, could be dealing with, you know, somebody who doesn't know any of the rules or, or, or knows what the procedures are. And it's a lot for the, the schools to get a hand on and, and how involved are they supposed to be. And we all know it's going to make a big difference in recruiting and mm-hmm. it, it already has. I mean, so I think in terms of my concern, it, it per- perfectly where I'm sitting is, um, is is maintaining our contractual integrity in terms of what rights mm-hmm. are, are out there and what aren't. But mm-hmm. that is just a small aspect of thing. The biggest thing is, okay, is, is from a recruiting standpoint is how important is the visibility on TV and in social media and how does the conference and the school help quote the players get their brand out there. So they're more valuable for mm-hmm. a sponsor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, whether it be, you know, LA pre- presents, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, a better opportunity versus a smaller market where you're the big game in, in, in town. And, um, you know, you've also got the danger of boosters who, you know, frankly, just as soon who would paying under player players right. under the table right. can, can you know, make up some reason that uh, they got an endorsement. And the thing is, there are no guardrails. Right. You know, the NCAA could never agree on them. They're they're hoping conference and you've got different state laws. And so consequently, there really are no guardrails. You know, supposedly it's still not pay for play, but there's really no definitions. And there's been so, a lot of discussions and essays written about this. And, and I don't know where it's going to end up, but certainly, you know, are, are the rich going to get richer because they've got the bigger right. brands and the opportunities and it, it's so complicated and nobody knows where this is all going to go. I, mean, and I know Sportico, a lot of the other things you want to ask me, same thing. <laughs> well, yeah, but Sportico, I think, recently documented that Ohio State has grossed yep. like $2.8 million in NIL fees and is towards the top there. So I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, um, you know, you have UAB, right? And then in the same state, you've got Alabama. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the concerns that collegiate administrators had um, going into this NIL Wild West was this notion that the Alabamas or the Michigans, right? right. The, the deep pocket, it's, it was like the rich getting richer, right? Okay, sure. so creating the day, you could see the day where going to Alabama, every 
football player gets a million dollar scholarship, wink, wink, right? Through right. the mm-hmm. um, sure. corporate partnerships. And the, you know, meanwhile, down the street, UAB is trying to compete with other players and just like that, that right. chasm. I know it's early, but what are you seeing from the inside looking out as it looks to the rich getting richer versus some of the others? How, how is it playing out? Well, I, I think it is a wide, you know, the, the, the headlines are always going to be, you know, the Alabama quarterback, or mm-hmm. the USC quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. And what can they get or the Clemson quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and certainly NIL, the concept itself is, is wonderful. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. the, the kids should be able to monetize mm-hmm. their, their name, image, and likeness. And everybody realized that's, that's long overdue. Um, same thing with a, a tennis player should be able to mm-hmm. teach tennis. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what is the proper value? Because um, I don't think everything comes down to CPMs or whether you, <laughs> you pay, you know, you, you, you're, you're paying an athlete for their, mm-hmm. you know, their their autograph or, or whether it be for their endorsement or for their tweet. Mm-hmm. I mean, because if you're a if you're an alumnus and a donor, you're not looking for the return versus if you're a corporation. So remember all the different people who could be sponsoring this you know, are coming from from different agendas and different priorities. Mm-hmm. But, you know, let's say you're, you know, in the middle of a rural area. Let's say you're even like, let's mm-hmm. say you're in Morgantown, West Virginia, mm-hmm. uh, or you're in uh, Wichita, Kansas, where there's no protein. Mm-hmm. You know, those, those athletes are the, the big names in town. Yep. And, and I could see where, you know, a restaurant or a, mm-hmm. a barbershop or somebody like that would want to use them as an endorsement. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's different from, you know, uh, some somebody who owns a you know a multi-million dollar company and mm-hmm. frankly just wants to make sure that player shows up mm-hmm. on their campus. Mm-hmm. And then with the with the you know immediate transfer rule, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, who who's to say that you know, hey, I didn't make as much money as I thought this year, so that's another reason for me to transfer. Mm-hmm. And how much of that you know they factor in before they decide where to go? I, I don't think anybody knows where this is all gonna. Mm-hmm. settle out and i've heard that there's no jealousy in the locker room you know mm-hmm. that the quarterback may be getting this and you know the mm-hmm. third string tackles not getting this and then, you know are there title nine implications i mean don't forget you know the fact that none of this money is coming from the athletic department itself mm-hmm. is why you know that helps legally i guess and also with other implications about whether all athletes should be getting the same thing and, and, and then there's also been some collective licensing mm-hmm. um and uh you know i think north carolina was one of the ones taking the lead on that and some other schools have done that too but you know the the, the three stories i guess i've gotten the most headlines were miami and um and byu and i can't remember the other school where you know the entire team was yep. was uh was involved but yet what did they really need to do in order to qualify well mm-hmm there was no measurable right mm-hmm. well let's so, talk about let's talk about gambling so another hot yeah. topic at the top of uh you know i'm guessing in your conference rooms uh sure. schools beginning to do individual deals been well documented colorado maryland michigan state lsu have all done official sports gambling partnerships with the likes of points bet and caesars yeah share how this somewhat controversial influx of capital um, yep. is both a benefit and and what are the challenges that you're seeing already well, yeah, I mean, think about it. Well, you want to call them the, the sin, I would say sin taxes, yep. but sin revenues, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we have um, clauses in our TV contract that say that ESPN is not allowed to have gambling ads or not allowed to, 
uh, air ads for hard liquor. Mm-hmm. And then yet now you've got schools going out and getting them as sponsors. Right. Um, you know, I find that, uh, uh, you know, a pretty unusual uh, dichotomy there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once the door opens, I mean, so it's like selling beer at games, right? Mm-hmm. You think how much more common that is now. Now, you can say it's because you're trying to control the people getting drunk before the game or, mm-hmm. or going out at halftime back to their tailgate or, you know, but the face is also a revenue stream. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it just seems like we're moving more and more this way. And, and I do worry about uh, the gambling influence. I, I acted, I, I remember vividly the Boston college uh, yep. gambling sc- mm-hmm. uh, scandal. Okay. I actually was sitting next to one of the, uh, the players who was involved and got to know him. I had given him an award and sat next to him at a banquet, and he was a Rhodes Scholar finalist. And uh, was I shocked to find out that he was involved? Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, and we're not necessarily talking about point shaving here, but right. still, that's something that you you, you have to worry about. Um, and also, you know, what's insider information? I mean, oh, yeah, and that's crazy, I think, right? The integrity of the game. Yeah, to me, like... the real danger is is the mobile betting. Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, if you're sitting behind the basket and you've got a phone and you can make a prop bet, yep. okay, on what's going to happen in the game. I mean, I, I get a kick out of uh, Scott Van Pelt's bad beats, yep. <laughs> okay, as presented yeah. in a very entertaining style. Yeah. But I, I do worry about that in-game bets, particularly, mm-hmm. not to mention, you know, last-minute bets, um, you know, whether it be injuries. I mean, one of the first things I learned when – my first job working at Princeton Sports Information is if somebody calls on the phone and asks about an injury mm-hmm. and you don't know who they are, you don't talk about it because yeah. the chance are as a gambler. You know, they, they, they used to, they don't have, um, they never had pay phones at, at racetracks because they didn't want people making bets illegally. They used to, you used to have all the, the gamblers at Madison Square Garden. They would watch warm up, see who was limping, who wasn't yep. dressed, and they, they'd run to the pay phones and, and make their bets. Now people could they could do it from their phone, yeah. whether a guy makes a free throw or not. Or how about say how about in a dorm room? Make a right? Like yeah, of course. Kid, kid at Wake Forest is, you know, all of a sudden the star on the basketball team walks down the hall in crutches, and he happens to be yep. you see the star player. It's like you got That's that right. inside info. You just go and people yeah. go and. That's the one that I don't think enough people are talking about. It's just that close proximity to integrity of the game, you know? Oh, um, gosh, for it just, sure. It seems pretty scary in a lot of ways. But but it just seems like all these – everybody's looking for new revenue opportunities, new revenue. And, mm-hmm. and, and oh, and, and where, where is the money going? Okay, it's going to beautiful facilities. It's going mm-hmm. to coaches who are way overpaid mm-hmm. and then paid off for and mm-hmm. fired and way overpaid, right? Yep. And, uh, you know, and it's for analysts and it's just, it's, it's the arms race. Yep. I mean, it really is. And I don't know how it's ever, you, you can listen to all the reports you want from the, um, the Knight commission and, and, and the Drake commission, but yep. you know, I, I don't see the arms race stopping. I don't, I don't know how it's going to. Well, I think one um, of the things that's been, you know, you've touched on it already, and 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 I having worked, and I'm sure you, you know, I call this the the cookout factor. Having worked with the Big Ten for 20 years and and been in the collegiate space, like I'm sure, and you you live it, right? They're just they're a client of ours. It's it, I'm amazed at how even dedicated fans don't realize some of the basic economics of co- collegiate athletic departments, right? Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming majority of revenue comes from media rights, specifically college football and yeah. men's college basketball, which on the whole account for reports between, you know, 85 to 92% of college athletic budget revenue. So um, 
I'm curious how you see. I think that number is a little high, actually. You do? I think that number is okay. a little high. Yes, I, I do. Um, you know, there's still a, a huge, when you, when you have a 100,000-seat stadium, um, you know, that makes a big difference in, yeah. in your revenue. But besides the media rights and certainly, you know, your your donors and your sponsorship and things like that, too. And, you know, obviously the media rights have gone through the roof. Um, no, you're right, because you know, the Big Ten's giving out roughly $50 million a year per school, right? Yeah. Through the Big but Ten. But think about the difference in Ohio State's budget yep. and, and, and yep. you know, per Indiana's yes. budget. Yes. They're getting the same TV money, yet yep. there's still a huge, huge gap there. difference. You're right. You know, right. those are those you know? are $125 million plus budgets. Um, I think, how do you see meteorites values evolving in the coming years? I don't see them, you know, being reduced at all. Um, you know, certainly streaming is a whole new mm-hmm. aspect. We've all known about that, but the, the reason the, TV rights have been valuable is will still be the reason because it's live immediate and um, it's, you know, DVR proof Mm -hmm. Um, and gambling is only going to create more interest. It it already has. I mean, fantasy, look what fantasy football even did for the NFL, Mm -hmm. not to mention real gambling, right? Yeah. You know, I'm actually uh, doing this call from New York and, you know, New York just, you know, started with legalized betting. They were behind the Jersey and some mm-hmm. other states, and you know the numbers have already gone through the roof. Um, but um, yeah, every by time everybody thinks that the media rights, you know, have reached their ceiling, they haven't. Do you see um, the pie getting bigger as a whole? So let me like, because it seems to be that the thesis out there, one I would look at from the outside looking in, would be with all the new streaming players. And to your point, yep. the sexiest asset out there is live sports, right? Yep. It, mm-hmm. Period. And so things like one would argue your conference, the value of your non-revenue sports, right, mm-hmm. um, would grow. The, the, the revenue sports would grow. But do you see the pie as a whole just continuing to grow? Or do you see maybe non-revenue sports starting to grow because there's just less opportunity to get live sports and by nature those would grow, but there's finite dollars out there? How do you, how do you yeah, see that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. It's a very good question. And I'm not sure I have the, the, the answer to it. And again – where is the value in these sports? Is it in the advertising? Is it in the subscription fee? Is it in mm-hmm. the cable bundle? Um, is it in, this, in, in the uh, sponsorship? Is it in the data collection? Mm-hmm. You know, of your fans. I mean, so the, yeah, there's a lot of value here in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And you could also say, you know, it's, it's being you know split up too many ways, so, so there's less value there. Um, and you know, whether it be um, you know, and, and what, how the value is compared to what your alternatives are. Um, so hmm. it, it's really, put this way, I've said this for years, and I'll still say it. Anybody who thinks they can predict the future of media doesn't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you know, it's yep. impossible mm-hmm. because also the technology, whoever believed, you know, you'd be watching live games on your phone, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other thing, though, is is that, you never know what kind of media consolidation there's going to be. Yep. And that affects everything in terms of, you know, whether it be Viacom merging with CBS or mm-hmm. AT&T, you know, I mean, you know, is Disney going to sell ESPN? I mean, that has a tremendous uh, effect on, you know, what companies' priorities are. Mm-hmm. Um, and at what point, you know, are you scheduled with so many different streaming services? Or you have so, or you, you know, you, you cut the cord. I mean, that's the other thing. Remember, of course, is is 
if, if people talk about cord cutters, where the real change in the demographic is cord nevers. I mean, mm. chances are mm -hmm. if you're in, mm -hmm. obviously, if you're in college, you're in your 20s, you've never subscribed to cable. Mm -hmm. you know, you're probably using your parents' password. <laughs> but, you know, in, until you maybe get your own home with your own kids and, and maybe subscribe to, mm -hmm. to cable or satellite, you know, you know, you're 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 watching on your on your on your phone or your mobile device, and you're just streaming. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and it's you know, cable is a much higher percentage uh, subscriptions to, to to older people, and you know, they're they're passing away. So you know, the other thing is always that everybody talks about the attention span, and that it amazes me. What really amazes me is all these new. Uh, distribution models still all depend on advertising in most cases there seems like to be no shortage of advertisers mm -hmm. um to, to to every time there's a new network a, a new service or a new marketing thing is that so much of this is supported by advertising subscriptions is that you know where is that are they getting the return they need now they are getting more targeted marketing which mm -hmm. is great and data i mean you know, yep. you're, you know yep. everybody's going to get their own personalized commercials you mm -hmm. already get it some on, on your web Mm -hmm. page when you're browsing these days but you're you know you're eventually going to get it on, on on your phone or your yep. your tv as well so you know you know you're not going to reach the same size audience but you're going to be more efficient at the audience that you reach and that'll increase the the, the value again of, of of all the targets and it's amazing still even you know what some niche sports um have been able to do they may not get the headlines but you know it's the same thing like i'm, I'm on the rhode island sports commission and when your job is to try to bring events to your state to help the Chamber of Commerce or mm -hmm. the Tourism Commission, they call it heads and beds, and you're trying to help mm -hmm. the, the rest. I mean, if you've got 10,000 kids coming for a youth soccer tournament, that may not get any highlights on ESPN, but that's good for the economy. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Mm -hmm. So there again, you know, can, you know you're, they're collecting data. And so that, that's separate from media rights, but it's all part of the ecosystem of, of sports. And Yeah, no, I mean, Tom, yeah. that, that's one of the uh, – across all of the brainstorming podcasts, like data of – value of data is just a constant conversation here. And I think – I appreciate you yeah. bringing that up. I mean, I think it's a big one. I want to pivot oh, here for a minute onto you. Brand Story, yeah. Inc., the thesis, you know, it's the brands and organizations that think and act like media companies are going to win the long game. And this past year, you led and, and completed a significant investment into your own physical content studio so that you, the yes. the AAC, could create content. Share the backstory yeah. of why and how you did it yeah. and, and what's going on. Well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it had been a, a, a vision of mine for a long time. Um, it got you know, delayed because of the pandemic. Uh, but we built a, a, a beautiful brand new studio and control room uh, in our new offices in Dallas. And um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic, it stood um, you know, empty, uh, not used for, for well over a year. It was dark. But we finally were able to hire a, a couple of very, very talented people, uh, Morgan Uber and Matt Sizik, um, who have been turning out tremendous content. Tremendous content. In fact, I just got an email today from them with uh, eight profiles they did for Black History Month. And uh, they've been producing wonderful features and interviews that we're able to do our, our media days from there, virtual media days. Mm. We're producing content for halftime for all our broadcasts and uh, putting it on social, obviously. It looks good. It looks professional. 
Um, and it's, it's, I'm just thrilled that it supports everything that we're doing, uh, whether it be, you know, promoting our games or whether it be, you know, making the telecast better, just engaging more. And, uh, we're very, very proud of, of what we've done. You know, we don't have our own linear network, but we feel like we have our own, uh, digital network in combination with what we create and also how we partner with ESPN plus, you know, we'll have, you know, you know not quite a thousand events on ESPN plus too. So you put it all together and it's, it's really exciting and, and you're reaching so many fans with so many sports and, um, you know, it, it's really been very rewarding to finally see the, the execution of the dream uh, of our studio and, and have terrifically talented people, um, you know, producing great content. Well, I love it. I mean, it's it's the thesis of this, right? Taking control of your own destiny, creating content to get to your end customers um, and they're lucky to have you. And, and we didn't we didn't do this to you know to necessarily to, to create marketing opportunities uh, we did it you know for the brand of the conference mm-hmm. and for the athletes and for the schools but hopefully you know it will become a, a revenue opportunity as well of course last question for you here what types of technical innovations whether it's virtual reality ar video games in-person tech are are you keeping an eye on you know leveraging that espn background of yours as it relates wow. to the future of college sports media experiences. Wow. Well, I, I guess where I spend most of my uh, time paying attention to this right now, and it's, it's hard to keep up in it all, and I try uh, um, as best as I can, is, is, is how many different ways the telecasts are being produced. Hmm. I mean, you have ga- we have a game tomorrow on ESPN2 mm-hmm. where the producer is going to be in his home on a laptop. Mm. Okay, not a TV truck. The graphics operator could be in his home someplace else. You may or may not have the announcers there. You know, they may be at home with their home kids. Uh, it's just such a different world. And certainly the pandemic sort of forced everybody to adapt. But they're realizing there's a lot of advantages to this. And it certainly saves a lot of money. And you can also pivot easier when there's schedule changes, whether it be for weather or for games being canceled last minute for COVID. People can do two games in one day. Um, I do think you missed something out by not being on site, the relationships, also the trust factor. Um, you know, you're, you're much more likely to have a coach, uh, allow a microphone in the huddle or the locker room. If you're there in person mm-hmm. and, and you know them well, versus if you're just a voice over a, you know, a phone line or a zoom line, but you know, let's say, I mean, look at, look at NBC for the Olympics, right? Yeah. Aren't all their play-by-play and analysts pretty much. Back here in Stanford, yeah, many of them. So, yeah. I mean, I guess this this the ability to do this better and and, and reduce the latency uh, is certainly uh, and still be able to do you know officiating, replay, and things like that is is certainly uh, uh, probably what I, I spend the most time uh, paying attention to um, uh, right now. Well, uh, no one I know works harder or longer hours than than you, OJ. But if you do have the chance to have any fun, I'm curious to ask every guest. Mm-hmm you know, a, a book that they're reading for fun or any, any kind of literature they're reading for fun to take their mind off of work? What do you got on the... Yeah, that's a great question. Well, I, I, uh, I tend to... I, I don't read fiction. I only read nonfiction, and I try to read uh, either, uh, like, American history or books about sports and television. Mm-hmm. So I have so many friends who have written books, and I'm, I'm, I'm way behind. So, like, I just finished Joe Lenardi's book on bracketology, uh, I'm almost done with Dane O'Neill's book about the Big East. Um, and then my next one is going to be uh, by, by dear friend Joe Britannia, who wrote about his life in hockey. And then after mm. that, I'm going to read uh, Bino Cook's book. 
Man. So look, looking forward to all those. You're right, but it takes me a while to get through them because um, usually I'm reading newsletters and emails right till before I go to sleep. But when I do have a chance, those are the, the those are the books I just read and I'm looking forward to reading. Awesome. Well, Tom Ojachian will put his contact info in the show notes. You can go to teamworksmedia.com. Uh, we'll have this on all the platforms and be sure to make uh, OJ happy. Reach out and I'm sure he's one of the uh, he's one of the most knowledgeable guys about what's going on. So thank you for spending some of your precious time to talk about the future of college sports. This was an awesome conversation, OJ. Thank you so much, Jay. I really appreciate your friendship and inviting me to the call. Thanks for listening to Brand Story Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore Jay Sharman and on LinkedIn.